Thanks for downloading this podcast from RNIB Connect Radio. Paul Jones was diagnosed with diabetes at the age of seven when his school teacher noticed that he had an unquenchable thirst. Over the years, the condition has sadly taken its toll on Paul and he lost his sight due to diabetic retinopathy two and a half years ago. Paul joins me now to tell us his story. Paul, thank you for joining us here on the programme today. Now, you lost your sight due to diabetic retinopathy at the age of 25. Tell us what happened because it was a really incredible way that you did go blind. Jill, it was in the space of an evening celebrating with my mum and sister at the time, out for a drink, ready to enjoy the boxing that was on the telly. I decided before the fight started that I needed to, you know, go to the toilet. Um, So I made my way. Once entering the toilet, I sneezed. Didn't think anything to it at the time. Um, Came out the door to find out or believe that the televisions had been switched off. To my amazement, the tellies were still on. I couldn't see. I had lost my sight in the space of a sneeze. So a matter of seconds. That is just incredible. Now, I know what it's like to lose your sight due to diabetic retinopathy because that's how I lost my sight. And I lost my sight when I was 19, about 21 years ago now. So, you know, I know it can happen quickly. Mine happened in the space of two weeks. But I had a little prior warning in that at the time I didn't know what was wrong but researching it and being told what had happened then I knew that I had diabetic retinopathy long before I knew it and that's the thing about diabetic retinopathy it can sit and be underlying without you knowing you have it but I did get the black dot appear in my eye at one point did you never get the black dot or the hemorrhage at any point at all it's funny you should say that um, I used to work in an office and prior to the office work, I had two bouts of iriotis within a space of two weeks, at which point the doctor didn't advise me to go and get my eyes checked, give me the course of eye drops that were taken. I decided to leave the job at that point because uh, I was having some great difficulty. The eyes cleared up. I believed it was staring at a computer screen for such a long time on 12-hour shifts uh, to find that in fact, what it was, was the maybe the start of the diabetic retina, I think. It's just, it, it's such a horrendous illness, diabetes. It really is. You know, if you look after yourself properly, it can be very manageable but you know if you don't look after yourself we all go through phases of not looking after our diabetes and it doesn't matter who you are we all do it at some point where we kind of lose that bit of momentum and in, in looking after ourselves and I know that you know mine was in my teens I've been diabetic pretty much all my life in my teens I got a little rebellious and uh, didn't look after myself but you know, you don't expect at such a young age to go blind, do you? You think it's going to happen to an older diabetic. What did you do at the time? I mean, initially, what did you do? On your note there, Jill, where you said you were rebellious during your teenage years, uh, so was I. I wanted to live like my friends. I wanted to eat the way that they did. I wanted to drink the way that they did and carry on. Typical teenager. Um, I then um, had a scare early of January of 2015, where in fact, I near enough 
lost my leg. At this point, I was lying in the hospital bed with a gentleman opposite me who also had diabetes, who went off for treatment uh, on the kidney dialysis ward. Now, the first thing I said to myself when I seen him was, I didn't want to be like that. So I took it upon myself to start checking my blood sugars on a regular basis, um, injecting, checking my food, what I was eating, eventually took hold of it. Uh, my A1C eventually was starting to come down. I thought, great, we're making a move. And unfortunately, it was then four months after that that I actually lost my eyesight. So unfortunately, I, I wouldn't say it was too late to start looking after your diabetes. It's never too late. And what I would say is it was either going to be an amputation or eyesight or further who knows but unfortunately now what's happening is yes I have lost my eyesight but my A1C is now under control. Now for those who don't know or don't have diabetes can you explain what the A1C is? Completely what it is it's a blood test that's taken every three months to work out the average level of sugar that's within the body. Obviously, us diabetics, or shall I say, normal people, normal as a class, uh, their blood sugars go between four and seven. For us diabetics, it's a bit difficult to sort of keep it within that range. We do our daily checks. That may be okay. But the A1C points out as to how good our control is. And I know exactly what you're talking about. I had my A1C done only earlier this week. So, you know, it's it's one of those things that you kind of panic a little bit about when you're diabetic because you're thinking, you know, am I going to beat my last score? Am I going to, you know, be a little bit healthier this time? And particularly after Christmas, it, it's a bit of a nightmare. But I have to say, I do find diabetes very, very difficult to control. And my diabetes is very brittle. It's one of those things that when you do see other people that have been left in a horrendous situation, i.e. my father, um, you know, he he died from complications of his diabetes and, you know, the amputations and the kidney transplants and all these things that can happen. Now, he didn't really look after himself the way he should. And I think it has to be a great lesson to, you know, other diabetics around that when you do see somebody in that kind of state, they haven't got there because they're looking after themselves. They've got there because they're not looking after themselves. So you really do have to look after your blood sugar levels. It's so important. It's definitely um, a must. When my sugars were running high, I had a lack of sleep. Concentration levels weren't at the best level, to say the least. Obviously, since looking after myself, and keeping within the regulations that have been set. My sleep pattern has improved immensely. My diet is fantastic. The healing of scars, e.g. whether it's a cut or as with diabetic retinopathy with laser treatment, you do get the scar tissue. When I originally lost my eyesight, I didn't have anything. It was dark, it was black. I have a little bit of sight now, but that's because one, I received the laser treatment and the eye operations that were needed. And on the other hand, I met the doctors halfway in what I was doing. 
And that's the thing. It is, you know, it is a two-way thing. It's got to be a two-way thing for it to work. So there's no point in in expecting miracle operations if you're not prepared to, you know, do the hard work at the other side. And, you know, I don't know about you, Paul, but people feel really sorry for me that I have to take four or five injections a day. And actually what they don't realize is that is the super easy part of diabetes. The injections are the easy part. (laughs) It's everything else that goes with it that is so incredibly difficult. And, you know, if you just look after yourself and go for your regular appointments, then, you know, there's so much that can be avoided. So you are a couple of years down the road with your sight loss. How are you coping? Good days. Bad days, real bad days. When the sight issue first came about, the visual impairment, I did lock myself away at the beginning. I didn't want to speak to anyone. I couldn't look at, obviously, technology. Couldn't watch the TV. Um, relied a lot on my ears. Obviously, we've moved a bit further down the line now. Ideally, I do sit there and I do think, what if? But unfortunately, as I said earlier, hindsight is, is great. And I have to live with what I've got now. So I go out, I involve myself in groups with other people that have severe impairments or partially. I try and keep close with friends to make sure that they know what's going on. If I meet new people, the first thing I say, which I didn't do in the first place, was I'm a diabetic. I used to hide it. Uh, Now it's a must that people know because if they don't, if something funny happens to you, be it when your sugars are low and you need that extra bit of sugar for the kit, they don't know what to do. In terms of confidence, yes, it's not me. Daytimes, I'm okay. The nighttime, well, I, I try and, especially in winter, my, my days are shorter. So I try and get up earlier. So I'm in before it goes dark. And are you looking to get back into work? Would you like to work again, Paul? Because yes. you're, you're a young man, you're not even 30 yet. And, and I suppose when you do lose your sight at a younger age and, and you've had to give up a job, you know, I gave up a job as an air hostess. So I didn't have a clue what I was going to do. And, you know, it was one of those things that I had to prove to myself that I could get a job again. I had to work again. Yes, Jill. I'm I'm very lucky. Before I lost my eyesight, um, or shall I say before it became a visual impairment, I reduced my job to a company close by, who's actually a national company. And they've been great. They have been fantastic. I'm still classed as an employee of the company. So when the time is right for me and when the doctors say that, you know, we're okay, we're happy with what's going on with your eyesight, then please feel free to return to work. And work have already advised me that I will start with light duties and we'll see how things go. So I'm still employed. Well, do you know something? That is absolutely brilliant and it's great to hear that you know there are companies out there that are so incredibly understanding and don't want to kind of get shot as soon as a problem arises because you know you do hear about people in that situation from time to time whereby you know their work have pretty much given up on them and you know that must be such a huge relief to you that you've got a job to go back to. Yes, obviously I've kept in contact with them. I do pop in. A lot of the staff, obviously in in the space of the the two and a half years that have passed, 
there has been changes. There are still existing employees that are there that I do pop in. I show my face. I don't hide. I'm willing to get back to work, but unfortunately at the moment, as you know yourself, any, any heavy lifting or things like that can cause the eyes to bleed further. I just keep them updated, really. Well, yes, I do know you've got to be very, very careful. I mean, unfortunately, my eyes are at a stage where there's just nothing they can do now. And I think if I'd lost my sight nowadays, or if I'd had diabetic retinopathy nowadays, then there would have been more that could have been done for me. And maybe I would have had partial sight. But unfortunately, you know, this was 21 years ago. Uh, so it, it was, you know, at a time where it was a little more primitive, the way they operated on the eye. So uh, there was nothing they could do for me. But there's always that hope out there. But I have to say, the message that I always give to people, and it's, it's going back to you saying that you always tell people you're diabetic as soon as you meet them. Yes, that's something that I try to get out uh, as as possible you can't hide the fact that I can't see because I've usually got a guide dog with me or I'm holding on to somebody's arm so you know I will always tell people I lost my sight due to diabetes and that's what it's all about now Paul isn't it educating people it most definitely is I mean the first thing I went and done obviously when I was a teenager um, I had a nurse that used to come around um, every week to keep an eye on me I never listened uh, the one thing I wanted to do was drop off the radar didn't want any doctors reading from a textbook telling me, you know, what to do and how to do it. So the first thing I done when I lost my eyesight, I actually rang that nurse. And the first thing I said to her was sorry on the terms of, I'm sorry I didn't listen. I should have done. Maybe this wouldn't have happened. If you need help with anyone else or anyone that is doing what I done, please, please, please contact me. We will talk to them and try and guide them in the way that you guided me. That's incredible, it really is. I do remember being in hospital when I was 17 and a nurse saying to me, if you continue going the way you're going, because I I'd ketoacidosis, which is something that diabetics get when the, the blood becomes very acidic, so the heart is pumping acidic blood, and you know, you're, you're basically you know not far away from a heart attack. It's a terrible, terrible thing. And I do remember this nurse saying to me, if you keep going the way you're going, you're going to be blind. You know, you are going to lose your sight. I know a boy who has lost his sight due to diabetes. And I remember listening to her and thinking, yeah, it'll never happen to me. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things that you, you, as you say, hindsight is, is a wonderful thing. So, yes, it's important that we do go out and educate as much as we possibly can now. Paul, it's been so fascinating talking to you today. I really hope you continue to look after your diabetes, look after your health and that you get back to your job very, very soon. If you were to give any advice to anybody about their diabetes, what would it be? What would be the one thing that you would, you know, really urge people to do with diabetes? The comment there, Jill, where you said it will never happen to me, it will and it's never too late. Yeah, it's never too late to look after yourself. You're so right. And there's so much that can be prevented if you just take care of yourself. Paul, many thanks for joining us today. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. It really has. And very best of luck for the future. It's been a pleasure, Jill. Thank you very much for having me on. For more downloads like these, visit rnibconnectradio.org.uk slash podcasts.